Hello, and welcome back to the Women's Soccer Podcast. I am your host, Sam Greco, but you know me better as LTG. In today's episode, we'll be talking about the second match of the W Gold Cup, a new competition featuring sides from South America and North America, along with a little bit of Central America flair. In this match, the United States Women's National Team faced the Dominican Republic National Team, and let's just say it was a blowout. Though I'm so excited to talk about this match, we'll talk much farther than the actual contents of this match, as this match wasn't super complex to the eye, but we'll still cover a lot of U.S. Women's National Team and that you'll need to know, not just going into the latter stage of this tournament, but going into the Olympics, and potentially, maybe, yes, we will be talking about the 2027 World Cup cycle. So get ready, lock your seatbelts in, folks, because it's going to be an amazing ride, and I cannot wait for you to experience my thoughts on the future of the world's greatest women's sports team. Though the U.S. Women's National Team didn't run up the scoreboard in the traditional way that we usually see them do, they still scored five goals, which was pretty Pretty impressive, and they actually scored a few more if you count the offsides goals um, that Lynn Williams scored quite early on in the match. From the beginning of the game, the U.S. clearly dominated, and one thing that really, really, really stood out to me and was so impressive, this is like a really good surprise, was how calm their midfield was and how well orchestrated it was, and this was a very young, inexperienced midfield with Liv Moultrie, Olivia Moultrie playing in there with Sam Coffey and Corbin Albert, those three players, 18-year-old Moultrie, 20-year-old Albert and Coffee, who's in her early 20s. Um, so just in general, and it was a very inexperienced midfield, caps-wise, but they just flowed so nicely. And though we cannot judge playing against Dominican Republic like we judge playing against Sweden in the World Cup, I just felt like it was a really bright sign for the U.S. team where at the World Cup, right, there was a lot of nerves after the fact, not just because we lost, but thinking about the future of this team. And there was a question that was being raised by the media, I felt quite unnecessarily, is this team's dynasty over? And I think that was a question that was dumb to ask because this team is incredible and there's so many amazing young players who just haven't been prepared, right, because of the poor coaching. I, we all know who he is. I'm not going to say his name on the podcast and give him more time in the media's spotlight. But he just really didn't prepare the team's well, and I think there's so many talented young players that really were shown rightly, and their stars shined yesterday. And even not just young players, players that weren't used properly by M, Jill Ellis, and Black Golanowski, such as Midge Purse and Lynn Williams, have not been used like their whole careers internationally, which is really dumb. Because we saw yesterday, those are the two best players on the pitch. Sorry to spoil my top two top players, but those two players, not just with my Gotham bias, because I love those two players. They're the nicest people ever. I've met them a few times at Gotham games and events, and just in general, they're great people off the field, but they're incredible players on it, and they're really both. They're not just pacey players. I hate when people just call those two players pacey because they have so much more to the game. Midge is one one ability with dribbling isn't just all of her speed, it's with her technique. And the ability that she has not just to get by the defenders of her pace, but to play the perfect touch with her right foot and to get her into the perfect position to put a beautiful pass into the box. The goal yesterday almost felt like I'd seen that movie before. Um, when the championship game, when Midge Purse beat the defender for Gotham's first goal after she crossed it, she crossed it in after to Lynn Williams and it just felt like a replication of that goal. Those two have such good chemistry in the field and they they were really showing what the U.S. was missing at the World Cup last summer. And I know I might be crazy for saying this, but I'm really mad that Midge Purse did not get called up. I get she was dealing with a lot of injuries at the time, so I understand that like it wouldn't have been really feasible for her to get called up, but I'm just really mad that the things worked out the way that they did because Midge would have been amazing to see on the world stage. She's so good, and she's someone who just really is irreplaceable from the U.S. team. Um, 
not someone who has a lot of experiences either. Again, it was really surprising. I didn't think those two were going to be people who we were talking about. I was kind of surprised. We saw the starting lineup. I do wonder if me official tearing her ACL affected the starting lineup in any way, but if that was what pushed Mitch Person, then heck yeah, because she was the best player on the field yesterday. Um, so I, I kind of spoiled a little bit of my top players list. I said Midge Purse was my player of the match. Easy for me. Three assists. She should have had more, honestly. Her teammates could have finished a few more. Not to say that because the, the team played really well. So I'm not going to be too hypocritical. But I thought Midge was perfect on that right side. And I think she should start the next game against Argentina. I thought Lynn did a good job. Even though she only got, I'm pretty sure, one goal yesterday. Yeah, she only got one goal. Um, nice longer was another Gotham player who found the back of the net. But she just she scored another one, which was called back because of Smith's foolishness blocking the goalkeeper. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But Williams, I thought, did so good at just creating spaces and on the overlap run. Beautiful. I'm as a Gotham fan and as a season ticket holder, selfishly, I'm so excited to see these seven U.S. players. Yeah, you know, I I set up right seven U.S. players at my home stadium and all Gotham fans are so excited for that but the connections were already building the passing between Sonnet and Williams is getting me so excited for the season and I think U.S. fans should also be excited because the, the Gotham FC may become it, the U.S. women's national team may become the Gotham women's national team at this rate because of how many amazing players Gotham FC has but it's not just to talk about Gotham yesterday, they weren't the only team with four players in the starting lineup. It was Portland as well, which I'm not surprised about. Portland is, is such a great history, but it's so amazing to see how many young players Portland's bringing out of their system there. And I think though they've been really winning, they've also been developing great young players as well. And Sam Coffey and Moultrie were two players that stood out to me. Eventually, I only gave four players star players, and Coffee, I didn't give her a star player, but I gave her a shout-out. I thought she was she was solid. I thought Moultrie was incredible getting the two goals. Moultrie was just 18 years, you could, 18 years old, only 18, and this is her first ever start. You could just not take her eyes off the pitch. She looked like she had never left that field never not she never been a starter before she was so insanely comfortable i've been saying it for years since she joined the nwsl this she's going to be a star this player is so so talented and it's not just how good she is finishing she's always in the right place at the right time but it's also her technique her dribbling when the back heel i thought i was i thought that was going to go in i was so mad that that didn't go in for olivia because that would have been an amazing way to score your first goal for the u.s team but in general moultrie and coffee two star players i really wish weaver had gotten a call up to the tournament instead of morgan i love alex morgan but I think that this tournament should be about giving new young players a chance. And I wish that instead of Sauerbrunn and Morgan getting called in, I wish they had done something like Weaver and um, Sta- Sam Staub or Sarah Gordon getting called in instead of Sauerbrunn and Morgan. Love those two. Great leaders, which I think was helpful last night. But I honestly feel like it would have been better to give young players experience now. Because, yeah, I know it's not a league for like swap because Fischl's a nine and... Weaver is a winger, but you could just move Smith over to the nine, which is her much more comfortable position, which will, again, I'll talk a little bit about that later. I think that Smith should be playing the nine on the U.S. team, as especially if no official now. I don't really see no reason why she shouldn't play the nine, because that was the only reason that was really holding her back from doing so, besides Morgan, but I think that Morgan's going to move into more of a Rapino role, like what we saw at the last World Cup, which will be great for the U.S. team to have that leadership, because I've said this time and time again on my podcast last summer, Rapino was such a valuable leader, and that's what they used and needed yesterday. Morgan step, stepped up and 
took that penalty, that leadership that this team needed. I think it was really great to see some veteran cores in the back of the field, like Sauerbrunn and Nair. I do, do I wish that there were some younger players in there? Yes, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But I think that it was ultimately just really good performance. I also want to give a shout-out to Rodman. The flare off the bench. Stop it. She was crushing defenders all match long. She was getting by defenders so easily in her sleep, and that's something that we're not necessarily not used to seeing from Trittany at the club level it's just great to see her finding her confidence at international level she struggled a little bit at the world cup last summer it's okay I think she was unnecessarily thrown into it last year but I'm so happy that now if she feels a little bit more prepared for the high stakes of international soccer um two more players want to shout out another bat of mine another Gotham player for those who don't know that that is the the bats are the nickname that Gotham uses because of Lynn Lamson celebration point being got off topic there. Jordan Eiswanger, incredible match yesterday. Even though she didn't get the assist, which was called back, thanks to Smith not playing the best yesterday, um, she still got a goal and a penalty. First ever goal for Eiswanger. Yay. Good job. Two players getting their first ever goals. Moultrie getting two goals. And Eiswanger getting hers off a penalty kick. As a Gotham fan, I've seen her do that so many times for us. Last summer, she did it against Orlando in the Challenge Cup. She's done it so many times for our team in moments that we've needed it, and it's great to see that she's stepping up and sitting, slotting in seamlessly. Sorry for the mumbling there. Slotting in seamlessly into this U.S. side, and she really just fits in perfectly. Another player who fits in besides Moultrie, Nice Longer, Coffee, there's so many... Corbin Albert. Albert is someone who plays for PSG. She isn't getting a lot of playing time there. She's getting a decent amount of playing time, but the midfielder is very crowded with like players like Grasquero getting um, preference, obviously, because she's just such an amazing talent for France. But I really hope Albert gets to a place where she gets more playing time, and I'd love to see her come back to the NBCL selfishly so I can get to see her in person because she's also a talent. I'd love to see her getting more linked up with other players on the team. I felt like you could see yesterday how there was some partnerships between players in the same club, but I want to see... Obviously, this is a new group. This is definitely the first time that this starting lineup has started together. A lot of these players only have a few caps, um, very low single digits for a lot of them. So it's, you know, new group. New, it's similar to what we saw in those Iceland friendlies a few years ago with Macario, Swanson, and Smith just coming up then. Well, Swanson had been around, but that trio would just come up then. And I think it's great to see players like Albert and Nyswanger, Coffee, Moultrie, so many others on the bench yesterday who will definitely hope to get more minutes as this year goes on, like Shaden Shaw, who was the star of those just not December, sorry, October windows, and and, and December window as well. Jaden is amazing. But anyway, yeah, I think really good performance from the U.S. yesterday. Super convincing. It was the performance that they needed. It was a statement win. And I said this yesterday, and I've said this a million times. I said this going into the first game of the World Cup. It's not about as how many goals you score. It's about how you win that game. And obviously against Vietnam, it was not a convincing win at all. They only scored three goals. But I do feel like that was not a convincing win, right? This game against the Dominican Republic, they controlled the flow of tempo, the flow of play so well. Really do a good job, especially for a lot of young players. Super happy to see so many great young talents getting the performance that they had in such a, one of their first few caps. Such a good job for them, and I'm just really excited to see how this team continues to develop, not just at the Gold Cup, but hopefully leading into the Olympics, because it'll be great to see so many more young faces and new faces on the Olympic roster, hopefully bringing the gold medal back for a blue Now that we've gotten through this first game, I want to talk a little bit about just looking forward to the next few games because obviously we play Argentina on Friday, which will be a bigger test than the Dominican Republic. Though, as I talked about in my last episode, ex- episode 60, check it out. It's about the 
Argentina-Mexico game, I feel like Mexico dominated the flow of play in that match. The stats clearly prove that. But I think, yeah, Argentina will be a lot more competitive. They're, like, 70 rankings higher. Not like they are. 70 rankings higher. About 70 rankings higher than Dominican Republic. So, Dominican Republic, again, respect to them. They tried their hearts out. They're clearly grinding out there. It's just the talent match wasn't there. And that won't be the case in future games. I think the U.S. is working their way up perfectly. I think the next game, they're going to need a little bit more experience out there on the pitch. But I do think that... It'll be interesting to see what they do with Sophia Smith, and that's going to be what I'm going to talk to you right in a few seconds about her performance yesterday. But overall, I think they did a really good job. They start off the tournament on a good foot, which is always a really important thing to do. As you've seen in previous tournaments, group stages, only three games. You've got to win a few of them. And obviously, the U.S. could get out technically as a third-place team, but in this group, they definitely will not want that. You know, they're much better than all these teams, and that's not any disrespect towards these teams. The U.S. is the, one of the best women's soccer teams in the world, and they should be expecting to crush almost anyone, and that's the mentality that this team should have. And, yeah, I'm just really happy with how they started the tournament overall, just looking forward to those future games, knowing these teams may have more attacking threats not as many I think the third game against Mexico will be a real test with Maria Sanchez and it'll be interesting to see because Maria Sanchez and Jackie Jacqueline Lisbeth Ovale those are two players who love going up the left side that right side for the U.S. which would be the side that would be facing those two incredible Mexican wingers would was a little bit shaky yesterday and that's one thing I want to keep my eye on is they started some sonnet there who's a old fullback who has been recently converted to becoming a more of a CDM six type of player so it's interesting to see that and they subbed her out for Fox at halftime overall yeah, I think that was interesting, and that's something to keep your eye out on on the future games, just because of how Mexico have a lot more attacking threats, threats on wide areas, that that's something that they'll really need to manage the U.S., and it'll be a good way, it'll be almost a segue to the knockout stages, where you get a little bit more competition, that will be really, really important going into later stages of the tournament. Overall, I thought the whole team played really, really well, except for one player, who, let's get into right now, Sophia Smith. Sophia is a player who is so, so talented and clearly has the abilities that no one else has in the field. I mean, and that's obvious. She's a gifted player. She's a phenom. She's one of the future players of this team. Although at the World Cup, she didn't really perform the way that we would have liked her to see her play. As she got two goals in the first game, yes, but in future games, she kind of didn't stay up to par. And it wasn't just her. It was the whole team. But I felt like yesterday, she just didn't do great she kept on dribbling into triple team double triple teams and she kept on losing in the ball and I felt that I was just a little bit sad because I love Sophia she's such a great player and she's been really really good for this team I was just a little disappointed to see how she kept on dribbling into players and just dribbling into those double teams and I wish that she had just played a pass sooner because Midge and Lynn were there and they played awesome yesterday I felt like Sophia just didn't have the best game yesterday she just really wasn't creating chances for herself. I felt like she was a little slow yesterday on the field. She wasn't running as quick as we usually see her. I hope that everything's okay there because I felt like usually she's out, able to outpace some of the best defenders in the world, and these are the defenders in the Dominican Republic, and she's still getting stopped by them. So that was a little bit sad for me to see. Though, obviously, it's still preseason. Like, right, we can't hold these games to too much of a weight in regards to the players mindset and how we're treating the players and thinking about them and their future with the U.S. team because we know Sophia is going to be a cornerstone piece of this team for so many years to come. It just I feel a little bit disappointed about that and another thing I'm really disappointed about and this is more just bad luck 
with Sophia when she, on that goal that was called back two minutes in, into the game. I felt like that was really avoidable. I just didn't get why she was standing right in front of the goalkeeper. Like, you could have moved out of the way. I get you're doing it before the kick, but I don't get why she's just intentionally blocking the vision. It's so obvious she's shuffling with the goalie. Like, once the ball gets served, you should back away from the keeper because you don't want that goal to get called back. And in a more competitive game, every single goal counts. And when we play teams like Brazil and Canada later in the tournament, because trust me, we will play those teams. We will play the uh, one of those teams at some point in the tournament, if not both of them, because those two teams are the two best teams in the tournament besides us. And so I really hope that the U.S. can figure these little problems out now and in the group stage so that when we get to the knockout stages, they're behind us and they're not that big of a deal. So now I want to ask the question, youths versus vets. Obviously, this is a question that has been lingering over American fans' heads for a while because the U.S. team is a team that is usually full of a mix of both. At the World Cup, my best way of explaining it is think of a square with three layers, three horizontal layers, three lines in the square. Or, well, yeah, three, two lines in the square making three different layers. The layers are at the top are the older players, and at the bottom it's the younger players. The U.S. had the top and the bottom layer, but they didn't have a mix. They didn't have a mix of players who were still in their prime and had experience, but still had a lot more to give. And I felt like in a lot of games, they had a lot of young players who weren't really ready for the big stages, which is okay, and that's that's what I'm saying. I'm not blaming the players. I'm blaming the coaching staff for not bringing in players like Mitch Purse, who would have been great at the World Cup. And I'm not just saying her. I get that she was injured, but players like McCaskill, players like Williams getting more minutes. Like, those things, I wish that they had really developed that middle generation a little bit more than they had. Because I felt like the whole time, obviously, we were winning with those glory days of the older generation with, like, Morgan, Rapino, Ertz, um, Sauerbrunn, and that was awesome in 2019. But then we never really failed. We failed to ever develop the other generation and it ended up with so many players being injured like press heath and muis unfortunately not being able to play sam muis not chris muis not being able to play at the world cup this summer and then it almost felt like we just kept on falling into holes and we had no clue what we were doing and we had no direction as a side so that's the question i think for me I really think this is a question that really resonated with me about the World Cup because it made me question, are these young players really ready? But at the same time, the older players weren't producing. I think it has to be a mix, and it's a very thin line between too much or too little in regards to youth because you want players to be tested and get that experience because you don't want them to walk into the Olympics like they walked into the World Cup last summer with not enough experience in those big games because those that was the first big tournament for a lot of those players for starters which is what was concerning and some players like Gurma lived up to it but other players unfortunately which is again not their fault I'm not blaming them I'm blaming the setup and how the coaches didn't put them in the right positions to get there. So, though this may seem like we're veering off course from the Gold Cup, the Gold Cup is the biggest preparation for the Olympics. And so these Olympics are going to be so big for the team and they're going to want to step up and get out of that slump that they've had for the last two major tournaments, which is why it's so important that the Gold Cup, because who they put on the field is going to be really dictating who and how much who they put on the field in the Olympics, but also how much experience those players have if they have to opt for youth players. Because obviously in soccer, there's a lot of bumps, and that could happen to the US team where they unfortunately lose players that they can't bring to the tournament. And again, they're not going to face players like Tim that but the ones in the Dominican Republic who just kept on parking the bus and begging for a counterattack. And again, no disrespect to the Dominican, they played their hearts out. But I just felt like the U.S. didn't really 
have to get challenged. I don't even think Naruto is a single shot. And not every team at the World Cup is or the Olympics this summer, which is the more immediate concern, is just going to park the bus and just stay in the back of the pitch and not press the U.S. Because the U.S. had all the time in the world all game last night, and that's not what's going to happen. And that's why it's good to build players up in, you know, less important games against less competitive competition and build them up into higher competitive environments. So moving on to these ideas that I talked about. So I said a lot about how I want these younger players to get picked and bring it into camp, and so I want to talk about some of them. So in the goalkeeping department, I felt like I really just wish that goalkeeping, I just feel like I they should have moved on from Nair and kept Nair, but also just moved on from the idea that Nair is the only goalkeeper on the U.S. that's competent, because I think the goalkeeping position is one of the deepest positions in regards to the U.S.'s side, and I felt like a lot of players... Like Jan Campbell, Jane Campbell should have, excuse me, should have gotten more minutes and more opportunities at this level. Also, like Katie Lund is someone who I really, really liked watching last season. Same with Mandy Hot. Those two players did really, really nicely. Um, I think that the Katie Lund and Mandy Hot are two goalies that should definitely be looked at for the future of the U.S. team, and I just really, really like them. In addition, I feel like I'm so happy to get to see players like Nye Zwanger get called up. She's someone I had on this master list, which was an episode I originally was going to post after the World Cup uh, when we were thinking about transitioning the team, but a lot of these players happily have made it on the roster like Nye Zwanger, so that was someone I really wanted to see on the team. And so I feel like I just wanted to do this segment because I wanted to answer some of the questions. I, I said I made some bold statements about how we want new people on this team, but I didn't really follow it up with lists of players so for context that's what I'm kind of trying to do right now I'm happy to see Davidson get back on the roster and hope she gets to see more minutes um I hope Sarah Gordon gets some minutes same with Kaylee Kurtz those are two players who continue to perform in the NWSL but unfortunately don't get respected at the international level Emily Madrill is a great young center back and another good option for this team that we'll be able to grow into and Alex Luera in that CDM role will be someone I'm really looking out for in the future um yeah she's someone to end up that back line um I'll end it off with another defender, actually, um, someone who plays for PSG abroad. That's Corbin Albert's other American friend there um, who's younger. Ava Ganto, another player who skipped the college draft in the U.S. and went over to abroad and to play in Europe. It's great to see how Gallanto already is making an impact there, getting an assist in their big derby game, and she's someone who I think the U.S. team should really look at. And just to summarize and add a few more people, I think I would love to see Jalen Howell get some more minutes with the U.S. team. I felt like she's someone who's really, really been great at club level. I think I've loved seeing her in Louisville. I, I don't think... I know I love seeing her in Louisville, and I believe that when she's not on the field, Louisville is half as strong. So that's just another player to throw in the mix there as someone who I would like to see get more call-ups. I mean, yeah, a lot of the midfield I had on here were players that have gotten called up since then. Moultrie, Coffee, and Albert were all on that list that I made. And I think, yeah, in general, it's just great to see the U.S. team sw- keep on switching into a more youth-minded organization. But... I will emphasize this again and again and again. The front line is the deepest part of this U.S. team. I get that. But I love to see three players make that roster. That is Bethany Balser, Morgan Weaver, and Messiah Bright. Those are three forwards I just really, really love watching play. And those are the three forwards that I think this team most needs. And so, yeah, I wanted to just summarize a few players that I felt like could step up to this U.S. team and are ready to do so because I feel like it's really going to be a transitional period for this U.S. side. And I think they've already, like, gone pretty far through it. But I, that's why I didn't want, I want to make a list of, like, 30 people to say. I just wanted to pick, like, 10 or a few just to get a little 
taste uh, of what I was intending, and I think the defensive back line is one of the most question marks of the future for sure. I think Gurma is the definite center back option, but alongside her, yeah, not really sure yet. So that was the episode for today. I'm so happy for you all to be tuning in and so grateful for your support. I really just wanted to overall summarize that game, but because that game wasn't exactly very controversial or like impactful on the U.S.'s future, I wanted to more focus in this episode about the future of the team and looking towards the Olympics because I think that's what this whole tournament and that game was about for the U.S. team was experimenting and seeing if those players are Olympic ready. So without further ado, I thank you for listening to the 61st episode of the Women's Soccer Podcast and for your continued support allowing us to get this far. Thanks so much. Enjoy your week and enjoy the beginning of the Gold Cup. And I'm your host, LDG, signing off. Peace out and bye. See you soon.